Hello and welcome to the 27th episode of the fourth season of the Plebs on Footy podcast. I'm your host, Rory O'Kane, and as always, I'm joined by Scott Fotheringham. Hello, Banjo. I uh, I really wish I could say how happy I was that uh, I didn't have to watch Melbourne get smashed this week and how it made footy really good for me and everything was great, but like the results were all pretty disappointing. Very again, ordinary it? round of finals football. I mean, look, it started off well. I was very happy to see Essendon get flogged. Yeah, and, and that, also that- West Coast looked really good. When yeah, they're playing well, so that's it. That was watchable. That was nice. That, that put a smile on my face yeah, Thursday night. I was but very then after cheery. that, it's just. I mean, right now the thought is we're going to have a Collingwood Richmond Grand Final. Yeah, it sucks. That is quite depressing. And then like I was excited about the dogs. They disappointed. Brisbane nah, that was as well great. Losing. What are you talking about? GWS um, flogging them is beautiful. No, you're not happy about that. Why I absolutely you am. You know what this means. I can ditch my Leon Cameron getting sacked bandwagon and hop right back on the Simon Sega Bud Bevo bandwagon. <laughs> Why would you be excited about GWS having success? I, oh, they're I a li- soulless like club. GWS. No one cares. The only reason they're soulless is they haven't existed a while. They're building a soul by oh, smashing the dogs. Yes. No, they're not building a if soul. If you want to build a club, you have to play, and they've done a really good job this week. No you one, just give them some credit. Just, no one gives a toss about GWS. There man. are like 10,000 people in Sydney and another 10,000 in Canberra that do. All I've got now is obviously Brisbane are still in it, but looking yeah, pretty cool. unlikely. And then, I don't know, I hope that, yeah, the lesser of all the evils, West Coast sort of come through and win it. But I don't know, it just feels like it's going to be ending in quite sad uh, circumstances again this year. And uh, yeah, I'm pretty damn confident Richmond are going to win the flag. Yeah, I might I? have to... Uh, have a quick sojourn overseas if uh, it's a Richmond Collingwood Grand Final. Look, yeah, at, le- at least miss uh, the Grand Final, but like the day after, so I don't have to put up with anyone being happy about it. At least Swan Street will be fun. That that's all we can really say about yeah. it. That, that that'll be good. But uh, yeah, just yeah, the disappointing results continue to come. It's just been a miserable old year, twenty nineteen, Banjo. Yeah, just absolute stinker for football. But, you know, we'll find a way to have some fun, as we normally do on this uh, podcast, Banjo, and we'll get into our first segment. Yeah, let's lift our spirits a little bit. That was a bit depressing stuff for the listeners. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, all, it has been all year, Banjo. We're a pretty depressed pod at the moment. But anyway, on to the first segment. It's uh, Gold Jacket, Green Jacket, Banjo. And as you're aware, the uh, title of the segment, it does come from the line in Happy Gilmore, Gold Jacket, Green Jacket, who gives a shit. And uh, throughout the year, we've been giving three, two, and one votes for the most meaningless games of the round. Uh, obviously, during final. We try not to shit on games too much, and it would be nope. pretty hard to give a 3 2 and 1, and only having one game uh, actually, we as actually relevant. Yeah, we could have actually done it though, because there was only one game that wasn't a flogging. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, look, finals are never are never meaningless, but yeah. as far as finals go, it has felt like a little bit of a, a meaningless this round, was to be honest. exactly how we all thought it was going to be. No, there I was, there was one upset. I think I wrote the score down wrong. Actually, no, early. GWS were favourites by the end of it, so that, that was an upset. Yeah, I think they were um but that that felt like a bit of an upset the rest of it kind of went how we expected but look this game was quite an obvious one this was clearly the most irrelevant out of a lot of finals which are always relevant but this was the most irrelevant which is west coast defeated essendon by 61 points so Actually 55 i wrote it down i'm sorry thanks thanks banjo you're you're I, always helping me out i aren't did you? try and change it before you saw it but uh, i don't think it loaded on your phone so 55 <laughs> 55, <we> 55. <laughs> all right west coast defeated essendon by 55 points so to those teams we say 
Gold jacket, green jacket, who gives this shit? Yeah, Essendon scored 61 points, which is where I think I got it wrong. Oh, Banjo, that's a real rookie error. I was going to say, was there a late goal kicked or something and it hadn't updated yet on your app or something? But no. No, I uh, wrote no. this down you, uh, five minutes ago. You <laughs> it was just, four days after the game. You just stuffed up as yep. Banjo likes to do. So, look, we will talk, still talk about the game, despite the fact yeah, that it was it was. We've got time. There's only four games. That That's true. And, you know, there's still a bit to talk about. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the good story, West Coast? Saw the bad story with uh, Essendon. Uh, I, you know, I said this just before we started, so I want to talk about this. I think Lewis Shedham is quickly becoming one of my favourite players in the competition, mm. and I'm slow on this, I reckon. I should have creed on to how enjoyable he is to watch earlier, but God, he can kick the ball. How, how old is he now? He's like 28 or 9. <laughs> yeah, like he's been around for a while. He is a very different player to what he has been. Oh, he started off of as career, a half forward yeah. wingman, and now he's a Electrifying yeah, he was. Back. He was an attacking half forward. Yeah, moving up onto the wing, and the exciting thing about him was his runs along the wing like and getting into space and stuff. Before he kicked a goal or something. Oh, there was something like that. Yeah, I don't know if it was that many. Then he kicked forty. There, there was, was something like that. But yeah, then he had a year when was it the year they won the flag where he yeah, kicked forty, he kicked forty odd goals then and became I a think real he was player. Our leading goal kicker, nearly. Yeah, um, but then he went to West Coast. He was kind. Of, he went to the wilderness a bit for a while. Well, he was a bit, to... His last few years at Sydney were disappointing, and then he didn't quick. He didn't fully sort of re-engage as an elite footballer until probably the last two years. Yeah, and he'd, he'd been a bit of a flaky, one of those kind of flaky, mm. frustrating players well, for a few years. Quite but a few times. Obviously in a, not a brand new role now, but in a role which is, yeah, the last couple of years he's sort of built into and he's really become that he's player 30. off halfback now. He's is 30. he 30 now? He yeah. kind of still feels 23, which is weird. <laughs> he is just such a bold halfback, yeah. is what he is. Like, well, I think we were having a discussion about who were the best. No, we were talking best about decision best makers. decision makers. <laughs> and you mentioned Lewis Jetter. I'm like, I think it's more that he's just a bloody good kid. He like, he just it gets it up. He just looks up, sees the most aggressive attacking option, and then goes for it. And he's yeah. just such a good executor if he was that 10% it works. worse kick, which would still be an elite kick, he would fuck it up so often. Well, he's kind it's of... kind of the difference between Matt Suckling and him is that Lewis yeah. Dead doesn't fuck it up. I, I was going to go with a different comparison. I was going <laughs> to go with uh, Jasper Pittard, except he doesn't yeah, no, doesn't yeah. do the shanks. Like, yeah. the players who just go for ridiculously bold kicks and try Although to open Jasper the game Jasper was up. a little more within himself at North Melbourne. He's not quite as brave as he used to be at Port. Yeah, but do you think you could make, apart from the comparisons we have been making, do you reckon you could make a comparison with Lewis Jetta's kicking to anyone else in terms of how bold he is and actually... No, no, no. He's picking it out. Yeah, I so think he's his own beast now. are clearly the two best kicks in the competition out of the back half. But Hearn, yeah. as you said the other night, is a lot more circumspect. He will take yeah. the easy option occasionally. Whereas Jetta, because he's got the pace to get separation as well and sort of change the zone by breaking the line a little bit, he just backs himself in to completely change the scope of an attack and goes for everything. Yeah. It's incredible to watch. He he was damn good on, what was it, Thursday night. Yeah, he he was this <laughs> one pickup. There was just one-handed clean, full pace past the pack. It was just like... Oh my god! Yeah, and there were, there, yeah, there were a couple of the kicks into the corridor. Which is how the hell did he do that? Mm. But then on top, you have that happening, which is really exciting. On top of that, when they move it forward, like I, I don't think last year I realized how good at kicks Ryan and Rioli are. Yeah, they're so. Like, creative. I knew they were, they were, um, ex- you know, they were quick and they were mm. exciting around the ball and did some freaky stuff in front of goal. Yeah. But their actual field kicking is that they have some kicks which there aren't many players who can sort of pick them out and. You have those yeah, three players who are just freakish kicks of the footy, and it makes West Coast a really exciting team to watch. Yeah, then 
it's kind of amazing because they do move the ball slowly at times and just are very methodical when they want to be. They're but really then they balanced. They have the ability to just switch gears and get when the ball gets in the right player's hands, they just go. And it's interesting because outside of probably Gaff at his best, none of their midfielders are great kicks, yet there's so much precision around them that they can have a sort of bash and crash midfield and then still have the precision to move the ball cleanly from half back. Yeah, they are such a well built side. And, they're, and they're, their ball movement at. It has real like yeah balance to it. Yeah. Like it doesn't it doesn't feel like they're figuring stuff out as they go. It's always either they take the slower ball movement and um, generally led by Hearn will realize yeah. no we need to take it a bit slower here. We don't have something set up. Then they get it into those proper ball ball users and they really go for it. And it feels like they always have a method in how they go about it. Yeah, and because they've got the pillars in Kennedy and Darling and their Ruckman when they're playing whoever's playing, they have an ability to still win the contest or get the, a 50-50 contest when they do go slow. So they're not actually afraid of that. There's no, mm. It's not a negative for them to have to move the ball that way. Yet when there is the space and time to do so, they are just... They are one of the most dangerous... Do you reckon they're the most dangerous team in the competition? I think... I don't know. It's, it's, like, it's them or Richmond. It's funny, like, looking back... like figure out because they're so different. Probably not last year or maybe early last year. Mm. As of a couple of years ago, I didn't find them a particularly exciting team to watch. Yeah, but no. having watched their... Not not their last couple of games, but a couple of games recently, but there was their first quarter against Richmond. Yeah. And then their first half against Essendon this week was... That was, yeah, super exciting football. Yeah. Well, that really team, very good team, made a grand final... Didn't perform, but was generally a top two side that year. Was incredibly boring. I had no joy watching them. Yeah. Yeah. And they've just added enough spark and enough Mm. capacity to try something a bit more adventurous. They've given the right players the license to do that. That it just, it can... it can just yeah switch gears so quickly, and it's just exciting. Yeah, it's it's come through personnel, hasn't it? Like yeah. it feels like they still have a similar style to they had a few years yeah. ago, and that it is very controlled and very balanced. Yeah, they've brought in Rioli, they've brought in yeah. Ryan, they've Lewis Jett has found better form, which has helped, and I think Hearn's probably gone to another level too. So all yeah. those really good users we've we we're talking about have just made this side exceptional. We also do have... We just have to talk about Nick Natanui. He, he, just, yeah. he just shocks me every time. I think I said this the last time he came back from injury. Every time he's out for a while, I start thinking, are we expecting a bit too much of him? He like, always he possibly back. be that good. Yeah. And he comes back in, and the first game, you're like, oh, yeah. Like, he's he actually does Immediately back the game. at an elite level, yeah. no matter how long he's been out. He's just so much more athletic than everybody. It's incredible. That chase down he had of Saad. Yeah. Like, a guy that big should not be able to catch a guy that quick. And we were watching the highlight earlier, and Saad's legs are moving twice as fast. Yet Nat Nui just mows him down. He's incredible. Yeah, and on Thursday night, it was just... The, it was a different game when Nat Nui was on the field. Yeah. And we're, we're noticing that now because of the fact he's not on as often. Yeah. There is, but there's a real shift in the game. Like, there were a couple of clearances they got where it wasn't like a perfect palm down or anything, but he'd, he'd, he'd jump up there and he'd get his hand on it and it wouldn't go to a West Coast player. But you could tell all of the on-ballers were just pushing forward as soon yeah. as as soon as it was bounced because they they, they knew that they were a chance to get there and there was a couple of times it was a bit sloppy but they just forced the ball a few meters forward because the they're all just so positive richmond have when they move the ball forward yeah West that's Coast sort have of from thing. a clear have at a stoppage when nick that's in the ruck they are just so confident he's going to win and the ball will go the way they think it should go whether or not it goes directly to them is another matter but it will go in the direction they're all planning on it going and they just 
cheating's the wrong word, but it's the one that everybody uses. But they just are so yeah. willing to go that way. They have so much trust in him. It's incredible he how just, much he changes the complexion of their yeah. midfield. He, just, he makes each of their midfielders so much better yeah. having him in there. So they were like... They were super, super impressive. Yeah. And it, it, like, God, I looking, wish they didn't blow it a hook. Yeah, that, that, that's what it is now. Like, it just feels like it's going to be they blew it in one game. Really? Yeah. Like, they lost their last couple of games, but the one against Richmond wasn't. Like, they, no. didn't, they played quite well. Yeah, they and they had an incredibly it. important injury that, like, Dusty yeah. got off the hook because of it. It was very explainable. They didn't disgrace themselves. It was a goal, the difference in the wet in Melbourne. Like, to do that to Richmond is very impressive. But the Hawthorne loss. Oh. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure they're the second best team. But I'm yeah, not sure they they're blew the it. second best team. I'm sure they're a top two side. I'm not sure yeah, they're actually okay. worse than Richmond. Yeah, okay. You, you can argue that as well. But it's just, yeah, this is one of those things. It shows how hard it is to go back to back. And that yeah. they can play such good footy for peers and be such a good team. But just little things go wrong. You blow it in little weeks. And all yeah. of a sudden, such a you, large you missed part a chance. Of the year. They had such a good year. Yeah. And then one week just completely changed the complexion of it. You just there's so little margin for error in when you when the difference between fourth and fifth is so big. The Essendon side of things, yeah. Banjo. Like they were exactly what I thought they'd be. Like they, they weren't good enough. I, I I don't know. I don't take much from this loss that I didn't, or like I don't. My judgment of what their season was hasn't changed much. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that front. I think the result for them and the way they performed. It, it it wasn't completely disgraceful. They started no. badly. They they had a go in the in the third quarter, yeah. and they felt and they like they were trying to get back into again. it. And it wasn't like it looks like a really bad margin, a really poor effort. But it wasn't. No, it wasn't that bad. Like it wasn't. Plenty of sides go over to Perth and get flogged in finals. Yeah. Both of us have experienced that. Not too recently. <laughs> True. Yes. Like, and they were insipid performances. That was. Bad, yeah. but not insipid. Yeah, they, they weren't good enough, really. No. But I still do look back on their season as a whole now. I, I've heard a couple of things in the last week or so where it's generally been talks around John Warsfold. And I've heard things like, oh, with the injuries that they had, and I reckon Eston supporters kind of would have taken this sort of season at the start of the year. They thought they that were a top four wrong. chance. Yeah, they did. But even putting that aside, like... In order for this season to have been a tick, they just had to win a final. It's just been too long now where they haven't yeah. won a final. And they, I mean, l- l- let's take out the couple of years where they were completely destroyed by the supplement saga. Yeah. They've had a reasonably together list. Their list hasn't changed a lot over the last sort of five or six years, but they just seem to just keep hitting that point of finishing about eighth and being about that And good. it doesn't seem to it's change no matter who they add. The year they added Stringer, Smith, yeah. Sard, all fantastic additions. They went backwards. The year they added, they added Shield this year. Marginal improvement, even when he was supposed to be an A-grade midfielder, which I have qualms about rating him that way. But that's the perception of him. It just doesn't seem to ever grow. Yeah, every year they seem to be the winner off the field, yeah. and you think, okay, therefore on the field it has to improve, and they just end up being in the same position like every time. Like, yes, they didn't make finals last year, but. When it comes, when it's all said and done, they were about this as good this year as they I, were last year. I think that was year. probably better last year. They were the were, by a lot of metrics one of the worst final sides in history. Like from a top eight perspective, they're the third worst percentage ever making the top eight. Yeah, and they their seven of eight game run, they were ahead forty four percent of the time in those yeah. games. They absolutely pinched half of them. Like, yeah, I just they, they got in by the skin of their teeth. I reckon if they played last year's side against this year's side, like 
at this time of year, last year's side would have won pretty convincingly. You can argue that. I, I don't know whether that's the case. I suppose last year was a, they were so bad early and they're yeah. so good late that it's kind of hard to judge. But um, yeah, I did, I'm quite surprised to have seen them back Warsfold so quickly. I think it was today that uh, Xavier Campbell came out and backed yeah, him in and so said he'll be their coach next year. I was safe. thinking he was in a lot of trouble, but yeah, well, he will be next we've year. We've had a pretty <laughs> negative... Uh, opinion of his coaching ability for quite a while yeah and this yeah. hasn't just been me being a grump and wanting coaches sacked like it normally is I, I i don't really i don't feel particularly strongly either way on whether or not on this season he should have gets gotten sacked though like i would have completely understood it but i also understand why you'd keep him he didn't perform that badly yeah, no, it, was, it wasn't one of those years where, yeah, this team is so bad now. Yeah, it wasn't a catastrophe, like... But I just, yeah, for me, it just feels like they've just plateaued for such yeah. a long time. And, um, yeah, I, I was kind of expecting them to react quite aggressively towards it, which, which, which hasn't happened. But um, early next year, similarly to what Melbourne will be like, there'll be a lot of heat on him if they don't start too well. Yeah, it, there's so many coaches that are going to be like that. If the Adelaide coaches survive... Yeah, fascinating. Yeah. You, if you start terribly fascinating, yeah, keep rolling. Yeah, <laughs> the, the coach sacking yeah, train doesn't. It's been crazy. Might end up with ten coaches sacked in two years. It's like yeah. it just looks like so many are under it's, pressure. It's not. It's not impossible, is it? Yeah. <laughs> and you laughed at me when I said five coaches. Yeah, be sacked. yeah, I did. I think rightly so. Not too. Like Pike could still go. Uh, but anyway, have you got any more thoughts on that final? No, I don't think so. Okay, let's move on then. We'll go to Kane Corn's call of the week, where every week we look at a big call made in the media. Then make one of our own to just you know get our Atlantis juices flowing. Uh, this week, Dermot Brereton, frequent contributor to the segment. Yeah, he is. Yeah, uh, he's come up with a, just a very bold captaincy call. He says, "Essendon need to make a new error and appoint Andrew McGrath as captain." Yeah, I mean, it's good that they've got a really good uh, template in place. They can follow what Melbourne did. It worked yeah. really well. Jack Rimes and Jack Trangove, about yes, the same their, age. Their uh, careers weren't destroyed at all by the decision. To be honest, they were probably more established players when that happened then. Yeah. And it was like a thing, of, like in hindsight, it's like they were so far off being ready for captaincy. Mm. Uh, but to McGrath, be fair, Andrew McGrath is getting more responsibility by being a sole captain in this scenario. So you know that would make him be a better option and have a better chance of winning. I just... Has he watched Essendon this year? Like, I feel like he was, he was good on Saturday night. He was, he was very good on Saturday player. That's exactly what you want to see from him, what, how he performed on Saturday night. That's what they want to be his standard. But this year, as a whole, it's been like a... It's been a building block. Yeah. But he's a long way off being an established player and a player who's got anywhere near what his potential yeah. is. Just let him bloody flourish for a while. You shouldn't think about appointing him <laughs> captain until he's clearly one of the best players in the team because there is so much pressure on him being a number one draft pick and being in the company of who was drafted immediately after him. Like, you've got to give him the... Biggest opportunity possible to succeed and making him captain is just not it. And, and where's the negativity towards Heppel coming from? It wasn't that long ago they were blown away by how good a leader he was and how he managed to keep them all calm yeah. during everything that happened and how like a charismatic leader he is. All of a sudden, it's what? Yeah, well, I think <laughs> the problem with Heppel is that he just seems fine as a footballer the last couple of years. He hasn't played as well as he has in the past. And people are just bored of him and think he's not... I think that's where it's coming from. I think it's performance-related, not anything to do with his actual leadership. I, th I think he's led them through the mire remarkably well, to be yeah. honest. Keep him 
Yeah, just captain. I, I, I don't know. And There's, he's only 28 or something, 27. He's not yeah. old. Yeah, exactly. It's not as if he's going to be retiring in a couple of years. Just, yeah, keep him in there and let the bloody kids develop. Yeah, it's just, it's <laughs> farcical to want... Yeah, you ruin careers by doing that. We have, <sighs> like, one example of it coming off in AFL. Like, it doesn't work yeah. more often than not. Yeah. Even Trent Cochin, who's probably a belated example of it working, had a very rough few years the first. How old was he? He, he was, was still a bit older, or something. He? No, no okay. he was really young. I thought he was a couple of years. Oh, okay. But, yeah, just terrible idea. Yeah, Classic Dermot. <laughs> we were trying to think of if there's any other examples of it working. I'm like, I can only think of cricket. I can think of Graham Smith yeah. in cricket. I can't really think of anything in cricket. is the only one that comes to mind yeah. for me, and that's very obviously why it would come to but my mind. he's just a, a freak. Like, yeah, he's, he's one of the greatest yeah. players of all time, and yes. that's why it worked. It had nothing to do with... Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Oh. Leave Andy McGrath alone, to be honest, I think, Dermy. But anyway, let's make our own. You've got an absolute cracker. Yeah, I'm pretty chuffed. I'm pretty chuffed with my one we'll banjo. Ignore the plagiarism of it, but take it away. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was all my call, Banjo. <laughs> uh, so Geelong this week, I think they went with a, a pretty good tactic heading into heading into this game. Yep, yep, yep. I reckon, That's what everybody says. I reckon they tanked it, mate. I reckon tanked they tanked this week. Why would they do that? Really good reason. You know how much they struggle after buys. Oh, yeah, they do. They have a shocking record after the buy. They're happy to lose this one, knowing that they won't have to have a buy heading into the prelim final. Absolutely the, true. The thought of a week off and then a prelim, that would blow their minds. They would be panicking about that. The idea, let's just lose this one. I worry about this game too much. They played a pretty boring style. They bloody dropped Reece Stanley, which they admitted mm. was a mistake. They weren't trying to win the game. They were just trying to get through it. I reckon they were going to play Reece Stanley if it was wet because that wouldn't suit him. And we dropped him because it was dry because... He would have been too good. So they were just, they were very thorough. They look, yeah, don't let anyone mate, tell you they didn't look at the weather report properly. Don't let anyone tell you that. They knew what they were doing. It's, it's almost as blatant tanking as not picking Billy Gowers for the Bulldogs this yeah, week. Yeah, we'll I mean, get to that. It's clear we'll tanking going that. on in finals here. But yeah, they, they, they might just be great next week. And then they've got three weeks running where they're pretty good. They get consistent and away they go. I reckon it was quite smart tactics from Geelong to, yeah, uh, to take absolutely this Absolutely genius. But can we have a quick, serious discussion about Chris Scott's finals record? <laughs> Do you reckon it's so bad because there's two now two buys in the before? In the final series? Is that the only reason they're so bad? It actually is quite hard to divorce the uh, finals record from the issues in buys. They've had such issues with both. It's hard to know. You know, it's kind of chicken in the egg. Like, which one is the real problem? Like, there has to be an element of it being the buy because they are so bad in the regular season buy. Yeah. And, like, consistent. They lost to the Gold Coast one year after the buy. Just just how? Like, they must be changing things every time. Bring somebody in. That is from a different club and have them look at what you do during the bye because you have to be doing something. It wrong. must be mentally ingrained now because they always start badly. They yeah. always get flogged out of the box after a bye. It's it's just gone on for too long now. It's, yeah, it's weird. They, they have to but do no, a circuit breaker. They did have someone look at it and they realised that the right yeah, way to do it is to avoid it yeah. heading into the most important game of the season. Well, yeah, yeah into the prelim. Let's final, just ignore so. the fact that if they had a one, the buy thing might not have mattered so much, and maybe they could play after a buy. <laughs> <laughs> What's your one, Banjo? Uh, mine's also Geelong related, and uh, it kind of goes against your theory, to be honest. 
Uh, I've got Chris Scott admitting not picking Stanley was a mistake. Is <laughs> the most embarrassing thing a coach has said all year. I thought you just agreed with me that it was a smart decision to lose Look, the game. Some of us like to go along with others bits. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm a yes and kind of guy. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not as strong on this I, as you. I, don't I would be so furious if my coach said this. Like, it's how hard is it to read a weather report properly? Also, why are you fucking around with it so much? He, he does this all the time. He's made so many late changes and he just, he's overcomplicated it here and it's just embarrassing. Yeah, okay. I, I, can't, I, I agree with that part of it. It's being a bit too cute. The, we've said many times the best coaches across the time are coaches who have a system in place by the time they head into finals and then they just stick to that and they don't try to do anything outrageous or different. And Clarko is the perfect example yeah. of that. He, he's not someone who makes big changes ahead of a big game to try to get a tactical advantage. He just backs in his systems which have worked all year. So it's being a bit too cute leaving it to the last minute to try to decide who you're going to play in the ruck. Absolutely awful. But in terms of conceding that it was a mistake, I think that that's just brutal it's not, honesty. It's not so much the conceding it's a mistake. It's the why it was a mistake. And it's how they made the mistake. Their process was so bad. Well, I mean, look, I get the impression a couple of hours before the game, it was pissing down with rain. They would have had a look at the forecast, seen some rain around that night, and then they would have said, okay, we think it's going to be probably raining. If not raining, it'll be wet. And therefore, we think this is the best balance. And then they stuffed up, and then he was honest enough to say we stuffed up. It was embarrassing. I know plenty. I know plenty about Scott Brothers embarrassing themselves in post-game. He's press not a conference. weatherman, Banjo. How's no, he supposed so to know it's going to clear up? He should try and be one. Well, I'm sh- I'm sure they had a Phone good look a at the bomb. I'm sure they had a very close look at the bomb, and they thought there was a bit of rain around. Just unbelievably embarrassingly wrong, and I can't stress that enough. Embarrassingly wrong. Do you make? Do you think it's worse that he admitted it was wrong? Does that make it worse? Or are you? cool with that part of it i'm not i'm not too okay i think it's embarrassing that he said it and i wouldn't have liked i, I wouldn't have said it i would have just pretended i never happened and you know but that's not the embarrassed most embarrassing bit about it the embarrassing bit is that they looked at a weather report and made a selection yeah. decision based on it and got it so wrong yeah, look, I'm didn't de- rain for a single second i'm definitely not saying good on him or anything <laughs> like that i'm just i'm not i don't think it's as embarrassing as you suggest. I, I just, I, I cannot it was, believe, it was, I couldn't believe it when I immediately texted you yeah. in the press conference being like, what is this? It was, it was a stuff up. It was, it was a stuff awful. up is what it was. But <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Yes. Let's talk about the actual game. Yeah. Collingwood defeated Geelong by 10 points. Feels flattering to Geelong that margin, but Collingwood only had four scoring shots in the last mm. half and Geelong had all the running and had opportunities to make it even closer. Uh, I didn't feel like no, that. I agree entirely. The, the feeling I got out of watching the game was, it was the, the, my, my main thought walking out of the MCG was like, this is just a feeling of deja vu with Geelong. Oh, it yeah. seems to happen every year that you get into finals and you, you, you have a think about it and you think, are they as good as where they finished? Will it be a bit different this year and they will come out and perform? And every time they get flogged out of the blocks, then from that point on, they just try to strangle the game and make it as defensive as possible and just don't look like they have the fa- fire, uh, firepower <laughs> well to, to be able to run over the top of them and to have the ability to score. And this game... The only difference was when the game was just about dead, they had a run at it yeah. and made it marginally alive. But when's all, all is said and done, Collingwood had that game in control. So they lose all ability to score in finals. It's unbelievable. They scored 51 points this week. 
46 the year before. And then the year before that, their finals were, they scored 75 against Adelaide. They had a win against Sydney, which they scored mm. 98. So that's an outlier. And then the other game was 40 against Richmond. They just can't score in finals. They have to figure out a system that actually holds up when it comes to the pointy end of the season because their attack just falls away. They have super slow ball movement, don't they? Yeah. Super slow, which... That, that's been the case the whole way through. Even early in the year when they were scoring, they still weren't moving it quickly. It was just, which just really efficient. Yeah. They were winning every ground ball inside the Ford. Very field. clean, yeah. Um, and just didn't stuff it up. But, like, they were still... There was still a lot of kicking the ball down the line. Yeah. Um, and that, but that's, that's all they did on uh, Friday night. Yeah. The only way they get dynamic ball movement is when Dangerfield or Kelly bursts out of a stoppage. Yeah. Everything else six, is six, slow six. and is methodical. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's been a boon for them because... Dangerfield and Kelly are fantastic at it, but it's not reliable. Yeah. Dangerfield had a fantastic and the best finals game he's had in years, and it just didn't matter because the rest of the team was awful and didn't contribute at all. They have to figure out a way to get a more even spread of contributors and a more even offense that actually spreads the load and doesn't... Like, Hawkins got nowhere near it. All Australian full forward, my ass, just quietly. Uh, Hogan's got nowhere near it. And if it wasn't him, there did, no mi- one else looked likely at all. He missed a couple he should have kicked. If he missed kicks four. Yeah, I mean, if he kicks a couple of them all of a sudden, it's oh yeah, Hawkins had a reasonable game. But he was clearly the number one target. Like, yeah, he was quite, the only target, yeah, really. Which, now, that's something which is different how they've been playing. They actually have had quite an even spread with their forward targets. This was a lot of kicking down the line to Tomahawk and hoping he manages yeah, to do it. they just looked a little listless. And then he's up against, like, the Collingwood backline works so well. such a good game. Jeremy Howard, such a good They had 13 intercept marks, according to Access. Yeah, which, <laughs> that, that shows some pretty bad ball movement, really, yeah. to allow that to happen. But um, Darcy Moore, the thing which is, watching, like, highlights of the game, the thing which is really standing out with him is, I often watch him take, like, a mark in defence, and it feels like he's the forward leading up at it to yeah. take a big contested mark. Like, he attacks the ball in the air as if he's the person that it's being delivered and to. And he moves so fluidly, no one ever seems to get anywhere near him when he's doing it, that it just looks like it was meant for him. Yeah. He's, no one else ever looks like they have a chance at the ball when he pulls it off. It, you'd have to say, he'd be the most attacking defender in the comp. When you Once the ball's in the air, that he launches at, at it, and he just wants to mark it every time. Yeah, because he does it a lot coming from behind whereas I guess McGovern floats in from in front and just sort of holds his ground to win that kind of ball yeah like he does it in a very different manner whereas he's coming at the ball and really yeah. smashing he, at it he's actually like launching at yeah. it as, as I say he's as incredible he to watch and there was this one moment he just he was moving through the middle of the ground and you just sometimes you forget how athletic and quick he is he just covered 20 30 meters in like yeah. two seconds and I was just like Wow. Yeah, you do. You do kind of ignore that at times. He's, he's just quick and he's got so such good. Long his wings. movement just is yeah. so fluid. He like he's one person that probably has some of the athletic traits that Nick Nat has. He can do everything you'd yep. want athletically, and if his body holds up, it's such a boon for Collingwood because he completely changes the complexion of their backline with him and How playing well. They have genuine intercept markers that allow them to move more fluidly out of the back half. They didn't really put the hammer down this game. Yeah, I was going to say, how impressed were you with Collingwood? Like, yes and no. I was really impressed by their intensity around the ball. Mm. Geelong won contested possession in the end, but it didn't feel that way for most of the game. Collingwood really held their own. And Geelong are the best contested ball side in the comp. Or they were over the regular season. And to come out pretty even in that is a massive win for them and a large part of why they're able to win. But they didn't look great going forward. Like, the ball movement... 
There, there was like one where Sardbon hit this perfect kick and Elliot just dropped it, but there wasn't much of that. Their ball movement was getting choked up a lot higher than was explicable, like explainable through. Like if they were good, they'd be and only scoring 61 points. A lot more mistakes would happen closer to goal, but they were getting choked very high up the ground. Yeah, like early on it worked. Yeah. Early on it worked. Um, I, I, I did was thinking early on like how... Like we we just underrated how big it, how important Stevenson is to their their forward yeah. craft and the way they move it forward. Like He's I, I such think a smart early forward. on in the year you were watching like the way that uh, Dugowie and Stevenson mm. sort of interchange. Now they were always leading to space. I thought that's just great coaching that they managed to all lead for each other and all of that. But I actually think there's something innate within. Stevenson, yeah. in that he's just—I mean, a—he's got the pace to get on a lead and to be able to get some separation. Yeah. But then on a lead, he's just smart. He knows where to leave his lead. He's so good at hitting up at the ball, and then even when he doesn't get it, he gives players yeah. space I behind think he's him. So good at reading where the space will be created by other players that he makes it seem like clockwork. Whereas I think yeah. the other players are just having pretty simple stock standard leads, and he just fits in between the gaps so fluidly that. It looks like it's just all meant to happen, but I think a large part of it is just him being so intelligent with his running patterns. He just, he always, he never leads in front of anybody. He never create, crowds someone else's space. He's always creating space or taking up space created for him. He's just, he's so clever about it. A, a good comparison would be him and Hoskin Elliott. Both mm. really quick, really athletic, but Hoskin Elliott gets his goals from running out the back and now running people, where Stevenson yeah. is often hitting up at the ball and actually and leading Hoskin out. Hoskin Elliott's a good footballer. Yeah. Like, this isn't an indictment. Well, that's why they work well together. Yeah. Stevenson will hit up at it and he can work back into space and then Dugowie's the other one who's oh. sort of a we dummy as well. We talk about Dugowie. Yeah. Uh, three minutes into the game, hamstring gone. That's getting worrying. They, did they rush him back? Uh, probably. You have to, when it goes yeah. that quickly, don't you? I think when uh, we were doing the pod last week, I was like, I'd heard that Dugowie was going to play, and I had a look at their injury report, and it had he wasn't going to play mm. on there, and then as the week went on, it was, yeah, no, he is going to play. So it feels like they were unsure about yeah. it and put him in because he's Dugowie, and he's uh, someone who can play forward and do one thing in a game and win you the game. He's a match winner. Yeah, it's so interesting because the Eagles did it with Nick Nat, and it worked. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, with... Uh, well, it did not work with Colin because I won the game, I guess. But it's going to cost him because he's not going to be fit for the prelim. There's a out outside chance he'll make it for the grand final if they inject some duck's blood or something into it with that weird German scientist. But like, if you read up on what how that guy what that guy does, it is weird. Okay, he's like <laughs> it's, it's weird. I read an article on it today. It's just it's homeopathic. It's like a little bit nonsense. Half the doctors don't believe he's make like a real doctor like it's weird wait is he actually going he's, to this doctor yeah he's going to the same doctor that Moore went to Elliot went to and okay. Brooke went to like yeah. apparently he's just another that, that's <laughs> interesting a bit of um, what was his name Kyburn Game of Thrones yes yeah, yeah a little yeah, bit a little yeah, bit okay Hopefully yeah. a little less devious. But yeah, Collingwood, like, they've done so well to get themselves a week off and a home I prelim. I didn't think and they it, had any... I thought they'd be out by the second week of finals. Yeah. Most like, of the right year. now, they're in the box there to make a grand final. They're a chance to win the premiership. But, yeah, uh, yeah I didn't watch the game um, on Friday night and think, oh, yeah, they're, they're, they're really good team. They're going to really challenge Richmond. It does feel like they're a, they're a notch yeah, below. they're playing the winner of... GWS and Brisbane. I could see them losing to either of those teams. I, I, I could. It's pretty I think, unlikely. I think they'd be the favourite, but I could definitely yeah. see that happening. But anyway, let's move on to the next game of the round. GWS defeated the Dogs by 58 points. What a ripping game. 
Bad luck, Bevo. I'm it devastated. Prob- it probably was the most watchable game of It was the round. really... Oh, I don't know. I just like watching West Coast, so... <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. The, 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 look, after halftime, it got a bit flat because GWS just absolutely buried them the quite quickly. The first half was good. first half was good because the dogs really did respond for a while in the second yeah. quarter. And there was... Uh, when it got to halftime... They had a few I'd, things roll their way and just were back in the blink of an eye. Yeah. Um, and yeah, at halftime, I sat there being like, I feel like the dogs have the momentum. I, I think this game I could go all the way. I thought they were going to win... For the whole first half and a bit, like yeah. even when they were so far down, the fact that they hadn't been blown away and GWS were kicking so poorly for goal, I just thought they're blowing it and the dogs will get on a roll. Because when the dogs have been getting on a roll the last few weeks, it's been unstoppable. And I thought they just overrun them, but GWS did so well and they kicked eight goals themselves in a row, which is the complete opposite to what happened three weeks ago. Yeah, they yeah. absolutely reversed the tables. It pretty much was the mirror image yeah, wasn't it yeah it's incredible this yeah. is the best performance i've seen gws have in a long time they just they just outworked them it was as simple as they that smashed them the, i mean they were they were super hard but like if they just had so many numbers around yeah. every contest they were clearly Which, just that, outworking that, them that on the is spread. a staple of what the dogs do. exactly they outwork yeah. everybody they their contested possessions and possession differentials were so big over the last few last half of the season they were beating everyone comfortably and they'd smashed the Giants at that before. And it just absolutely went away. Bontempelli got clamped down. Dunkley got clamped down. Yep. McRae had a lot of touches, but he, he wasn't was anywhere right. near yeah. as effective as he normally is. Yep. He just had nowhere near the... He didn't have anyone go with him. And he's, he's a guy that fills space with the way he plays. He's very good at moving the chains, but there needs to be someone for him to move the ball to. And there just wasn't. No one else was running with the same capacity they normally do it just they got absolutely halted by gws yeah it was the sort of performance from gws that i think we said before i i didn't know that they had that in them like no they're not a lazy team but when they play well it's obviously like it just seems they like normally really look so smooth much better moving and classy yeah. and stuff but this was just it was an inspired sort of manic effort at the contest and they just yeah worked harder for a lot longer than the dogs did and really Absolutely flogged them when you look at the stats. Killed yeah. them. It, it only... Like, I think our prejudice made it feel like not a flogging early. Like, yeah. I think our preconceptions of what that game was going to be meant that we were... We kept thinking the dogs would come it. back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But if you watch that now, or if you didn't know anything about the history of those two clubs and yeah. what had happened recently, you'd be like, GWS is so much better. They'd never look like losing. Yeah. Is it replicable from GWS? See, that's something I question because... The Bulldogs are, they're either their biggest rival or their second biggest rival, depending on how really you think the Sydney thing is. They've had the prelim final, they had what happened yeah. last week with Bond breaking uh, Haynes' throat, and they were obviously so fired up to just go after them. Toby Green got all the headlines for it, and he prob- he overstepped the line a little bit. He, he did. He, he's a bit of a grub. He's yeah. probably a bit <laughs> lucky the video footage was not as conclusive as yes. it could have been. Um, but... That entire side just went out with a will to absolutely physically hammer the dogs. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I am lost for words for how bold they were with that kind of stuff because you just don't see it from them. Yeah, it'd be. Yeah, it's interesting to see if it was just an inspired effort against a rival for a first final, and if they yeah. can back it the up. Challenge is maintaining. If, it. if they can play that well again, like yeah, they'll probably and win next week. But uh, it's yeah. another good contested ball side in the Lions. They have been fantastic yep. this year. They have to go at Neil and Zorko and all those guys, and it'll be so interesting. And Brisbane are hard. They'll miss, miss Mitch Robinson, but the 
that side is still a hard football side. It's going to be fascinating to see how that plays out. Do they bring the same sort of fire or do they try a different approach? I cannot yeah. wait for that game. Yeah. Uh, doggies, all in all, a no, successful such a positive, season. Such a yeah. positive season. Yeah. Like, for, yeah, right, they're so a very young they were going to win the wooden spoon, obviously. <laughs> yes, exactly. You'd be, you'd be absolutely over the moon, Banjo. But uh, yeah, yeah. I was um, worried they were going to win the premiership and I'd do a Robert Walls. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I was hopeful. But yeah, I, I think they've got a really long, li- uh, really young list. And yeah, They were younger than they were in 2016 for that final. Yeah. Which is uh, staggering. It, it felt like they were potentially dropping off a cliff and then to have been able to get that inspiration yeah. in the second half of the year and to remind them that they can play some really good and there footy. are so good many year. good youngsters that like they just need Aaron Norton. this time no what are you talking about best key forward in the comp he would not have done his knee if he was playing defense that's all I'm gonna say <laughs> <laughs> really that, that's what your call is isn't yeah it? Uh, yeah I should have put that as Kane Corns um yeah, no, they have so many. If they have a stable environment for the next couple of years, they will be a fantastic football side. Yeah, great, great coach and everything. Yeah. Well, that's the question. Do they have a stable football <laughs> environment? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they their midfield, which is already one of the best in the comp, is set and so young. Yep. Like Hunter's probably the oldest at twenty five or six. <laughs> yeah. And he's yeah. probably also the worst of them. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. When you put it that way, yeah. Like everyone else, what twenty five? Bond's about twenty four, isn't he? Twenty. Maybe yeah, even three, younger. Yeah. I think he is. Dunkley's even younger yeah. than that. Yep. It's it's a staggeringly yeah. strong midfield core, and they they're starting to fill the guys around it, and even the guys they've used to fill around it. Sam Lloyd's not that old. Crozier's not that old. All these sort of B-graders that you need to make a good side that they've brought in specifically to fill those needs. They're not old, so they've got plenty of time left. And on top of that, Banjo, they've still got this man to come back. So it's time for... It, it could be the last edition oh, yeah. for the year of our Billy Gowers watch. Billy, 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 Billy Gowers. Billy, 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 Billy Gowers. This could be a sad occasion. I, look, I, you're going to be proud of me, Banjo. I did my research to an even stronger extent I can't, I than thought I we were just going to bitch about selection and say they got too cocky, they should have played Billy, they would have won if they'd played Billy. Is, I, we're not just doing that bit. You've actually done more research. We'll, we'll do that as well. But <laughs> I watched the probably most of the second half of the uh, Footscray Given VFL your game. complete... Unwillingness to watch football during the year. I find this staggering. <laughs> I was just home and I flicked it over and it was on and I'm like, oh, Billy Gowers is playing. Let's see how he goes. And I do have quite a funny story to come out of it. Um, it was so it was a really like low scoring, scrappy game. It got to like halfway through the last quarter. Uh, she and the dogs win. No, 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 they lost. Yeah, they lost. It got to like halfway through the last score. They were 21 points down in a really low-scoring, scrappy game. They're looking out of it. Just felt like no one could score, that sort of thing. And I was thinking, yeah, this is probably dead. Campbell Brown in the commentary goes with the big thing. He says, I think Gowers is the one. I think Billy Gowers is the one to lift them. Uh, It's got to be him. And then within like a minute... I always knew Campbell Brown was a genius. Yep. (laughs) Within about a minute of him saying that, Billy Gowers takes like a big pack mark and kicks a goal. Like it's their first goal for eight. They kick something like... 420 for the game or oh, something. Brutal. They absolutely blew it. Um, and he yeah, absolutely slotted it. And then like a minute after that, he takes like a mark on the lead, turns around and hits up Lin Jong. He kicks another goal. <laughs> and it's a nine-point ball game. It's like, Billy Gowers is going to be the hero. And then I don't think he touched it after that and they ended up losing by about three goals. But... 
Still. It, it, it shows... It just shows what a finals performer he is. It shows the way that he can lift a team, Benja. Yeah. But look, I still have gone on to uh, wolf.com.au to, oh, get, yes. to get his stats. They were okay. Uh, <laughs> five <laughs> kicks, Banjo, seven handballs, four marks, two inside 50s, one free four, one free against. Ooh, so he was very disciplined very this week. And he kicked the one goal straight, which was the one which I saw. But That's a very classic Billy performance, he, that one. <laughs> he showed the way that he can inspire a team. Yeah. And imagine him doing that in the third quarter against GWS. They so, needed inspiration and they left it at home. Yeah. They were so arrogant thinking, yeah. nah, we'll I take think Brisbane that's what next it was, week. Yeah. We'll just keep him in the bag. Got to always bring out your best player. Yeah, they thought they'd win anyway. And they got... Yeah, they, they got very carried away. It's they, you had to pick Billy shame what they did to him. Yeah, he stuffed it, Bevo. He did stuff it. But so, dogs are out of finals, both of them. Yes, yeah, yes, okay. their season's cooked. So unless so he that posts, is the end of Billy Gow's well, watch for the unless year. Unless he posts something really interesting on Twitter during the week, it might be difficult oh, to yeah, try true. to bring we, him we back. We do in. have a history of uh, <laughs> we, Billy Gow, continuing Billy Gow's watch when he hasn't done anything at all. We we find a way, Banjo. We find a way. <laughs> Segment time, I think. Yeah, let's move on. Top five, and <laughs> we made the announcement last week or the week before of the Josh Kelly party. Yes, we're actually going to have organised it by the time this pod goes up. Fingers crossed. Yes, yes. We're actually going to make the event now, yeah. yes. And uh, we thought we'd get in the spirit of things and have the top five things to do at the Josh Kelly party. Get us excited for um, it. I think we have very different lists. <laughs> we'll see I how it out. So take away. What's your number five? My number five, Banjo. I reckon we'll have, you have uh, a nice TV up uh, in your place. A very big TV. I have a nice two TVs. Yeah, you do. It's have the t- greatest setup in the so, world. So you think? So my, my first one is watch high, uh, is uh, watch uh, the highlights of uh, Josh Kelly um, doing stuff. You reckon we can have two different highlights videos? Just playing at different times or, or should we have like two different GWS games where he played really well and just have them playing all night on loop? Is it is that, is that the way you'd want to go about it? I will be throwing out one of my TVs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, look. Josh Kelly highlights. That's not what I'll be doing. What I'll be doing instead is Even watching highlights goals. of the 2014 elimination final oh, between North and Essendon now? to cheer myself up because that is the most enjoyable game of football you, I've ever been to. How are you going to do that? I just booked TV, two TVs to be watching Josh Kelly highlights. I'll watch it on my phone. Okay, so you're just going to sit in the corner with your phone of watching North Melbourne What play. you realise, the vast majority of things I'll be doing on this night are not very social. <laughs> Maybe you would be uh, watching highlights of Jasper Pittard or something to try to make yourself believe that you got a better About player than Josh fish. Kelly. I watch Jarrett Pollock yeah. slot goals. Yeah. <laughs> the big fish that you brought across. <laughs> What's your four? My number four banjo is uh, the theme. So obviously the theme is Josh Kelly, but mm-hmm. we're going to be very hard on the orange theme. So we're yeah. going to have everyone... Best come dressed to impress. Yes, everyone has to wear an orange item of clothing. Now, I wanted everyone to just wear fully orange, but I recognise that most people don't have that in their, in their colour. Neither of us would they be able to fulfil that. It's, it's a great colour, but it's not really a clothesy sort of colour. No. Everyone has to Is wear... Is it a great colour? I like orange, yeah. I reckon orange okay. is a cool colour. It really stands out. tasting colour. I, I like it, and it reminds me of Josh Kelly, so I quite <laughs> like it. But everyone has to wear a, yeah, wear an item of orange clothing. It could be a scarf. I, I don't know. It could even be like a, an orange band or something. But you have to go out and you have to buy something orange to bring along to the party. Anyone wears an orange bandana? Big tick. Yep, yep, that would be a good one, an orange bandana. That's a good idea. Um, and then we'll also have uh, yeah, orange streamers around the place. Yes. I'm hoping to get like those big 22 balloons. Like the, those yeah, big okay, balloons you're on numbers. organizing that. Yeah, with a, yeah the well, big black 22, I reckon. And uh, remind <laughs> us all about the great man, Josh Kelly. Uh, my number four, <laughs> uh, hide in the closet. 
I will not be happy during this party and I'm going <laughs> to go hide in the closet. With, with your phone. It's big. Yeah. So th- I, I can do my four and my five at the same time. So I have a closet. It's big enough to fit a person in it. I've checked. We're going to be good. All right. So you'll be yeah in the closet watching North Melbourne highlights and I'll just be knocking on the door occasionally yeah, just like reminding oca- you. Occasionally I'll do other stuff. What's going I've got on. some other things to do. Yes. Yeah, that'll right. be a main event. So we'll get to the rest on your yes. to-do list. Okay. Uh, number three, Banjo, is uh, the food and beverages. Keeping the orange theme going, <laughs> Banjo, I reckon the food will predominantly consist of Doritos, Cheezels, very healthy, keen on carrots, <laughs> carrots and oranges, carrots with dips. Yep. It's quite a good little uh, little yep. taster there. And uh, plenty of cheese. Cheese yep. is kind of orange. We've got some American cheese. Yeah, some, that some, gross looking some, some orange, orange type cheese. cheese. Yeah. And then on the drink front, Banjo, you're supplying a couple of slabs of Mountain Goat Pale yes. Ale in the uh, orange cans. A couple of cheap bottles of champagne to make. Mimosas, yes, Banjo. We some did that well. Orange mimosas, yes. And uh, some some form of orange punch. Yes. Yes. It will be deadly. And probably some Fanta as well, I just thought of as well. Yeah, yeah. For those of you that <laughs> don't drink, we'll be shaming you, but... We will have options. Yes, yeah, we'll have some soft drink for you as well. So, uh, yeah, the food and beverages will be brilliant, Banjo. Yeah, my number three, and I'm very gonna, I'm definitely gonna be indulging this one. Yell at Scott. <laughs> I'm just gonna take out all my misery by yelling at is you. Is that is that from the closet, or will you just run out and yell at me and then run back into the closet? Is that the plan? I might call you and just yell at you. Oh, over the phone. on the phone. Yeah. Okay. Yep. It's, right. gonna, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. Just me. Everyone else will be getting around it. Yeah, okay, but we haven't actually figured out the guest list yet, so I didn't know who else I'd have available to <laughs> Definitely yell at. yell at me. I definitely will be yelling at you. The only person I know I won't be yelling at is other people sharing my misery, so Liam, because we don't have he'll any still, He'll still enjoy ripping into you. <laughs> <laughs> my number two banjo is uh, the playlist, which we'll be running with throughout the night banjo. It's pretty much going to be GWS theme song into 22 by Taylor Swift, just on loop the entire night. So they'll just be playing over and over and over whilst we have highlights on the two TVs, just playing Josh Kelly over and over and over. Sounds like the perfect night, particularly considering how much you hate Taylor Swift. Just so we'll be fantastic. Do you expect that to attract people to this party? Because I can't think of anything worse than having to listen to that over and over. How again. good is the GWS theme yeah, song? Yeah, it is. But I, you know how I love uh, the Russian the US thing. Army got uh, tortured prisoners by playing the Barney the Dinosaur song over and over again. No, did that happen? Yeah. Barney the Dinosaur yeah. was it? Okay. I can't believe you didn't know that. It's no, like a I didn't great know fun that. fact. Yeah. But that happened. That's what you're going to be putting our guests through. Oh, but no, but the GWS theme song's great. It's the great Soviet Union theme. And yes, the, and then we've got Taylor a big, Swift. big sound <laughs> from the West It's a great song, Banjo. It's a great <laughs> song. And so is 22. I love Taylor. Uh, yeah, so this party will go for, let's be uh, uh, conservative. Say, I think this party might go for at least an hour. Right. You want to listen to both those songs on repeat for an hour. Yes. Okay. Yes, I do. I know that I think that I might much. have to uh, democratize <laughs> the playlist a little bit if, any, if you want anybody to show as up. As long as we play them a few times, I, I can accept that. Yes, okay. So my number two, <laughs> uh, this actually involves a location change for me. Uh, it's Cry in the Bathroom. That's what oh, I'll be doing Oh, you're shifting for yes. a while. Okay. I think closet, I, I don't want to just leave all my sorrow in the one place because... I don't want to feel too negative about different spaces within my house. <laughs> so what I'll do, I'll move to the bathroom when I want to cry, which to be fair, will be a lot of this party. <laughs> and yeah, I'll just spend the time. Uh, 
bad luck if you want to go to the bathroom because <laughs> it's my house, my priority, my rules. So that's what's going to be happening a lot in this party. Shuffling between the closet and the bathroom, yes. just tears flowing at the occasional just calls to one me. one spot in the hallway is going to get very worn with my footsteps. <sighs> this sounds like a great night, Banjo. But look, my number one Banjo, easily the thing I'm most excited for, is the Josh Kelly-themed cake, which will be uh, being trotted out. So you're claiming that you're going to make the cake? Is yes. that right? Yes. I don't know where I sit on that. Like, I want it to be quality, but then again, I also want you to have to put in effort. You also know that I think I can cook. So you can. Can you bake? I don't know. I haven't seen you it's bake. Not particularly different. You oh, just it do is. It. It's a different type of. Yeah, but it's pretty similar. But have you done much baking? Like as a kid, yeah, it'll be fine. Uh, you might need to get an expert to, to just watch over you. I think, Banjo. I'll be fine. You'll be fine. Will I'll you? cook a test one. You can taste yeah, the test okay. one. Right. I'll, have, I'll have the test one ready for you for next recording of the pod. We've got okay. one more. Next week, yep. We've got two more pods between now and between now and the Josh yes. Kelly party. Yes. For one of those, I will have a cake prepared. I'm leaning towards it being next one, but I might forget. So. Right. No, I'm <laughs> hoping I get to come in for the next pod, eat some Josh Kelly cake. Maybe you can have some Mountain Go Pale Ale and we can really get in the, get in the zone for yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. So my number one, the one everybody's been waiting for, the number one thing I will be doing is aggressively drinking away my sorrows. Ah, uh, yes. I yes. am going to get very intoxicated to the point where it becomes uncomfortable for everybody here. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that before. Yeah. You can get quite angry when that happens, yes. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so this will also play into number three. I'll feel my anger for when I want to yell at you. Sounds like a great night for you, Banjo. See just how connected mine are. Drinking frothy is just crying, crying shuffling bathroom. between the closet and the bathroom and watching occasional highlights of North Melbourne. That sounds yes. like a beautiful night for you, I'm Banjo. very, very excited for that night. I can't wait. I cannot <laughs> wait, Banjo. But anyway, let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, the last final of the round. Richmond defeated Brisbane by 47 points. Another intimidating performance from Richmond. It was. It was a frustrating game to watch, I am wasn't so it? resigned to the fact they're going to win the premiership. Yeah, same. But uh, <laughs> Brisbane didn't embarrass themselves no, at they all. they had plenty of chances. They came out hard. That first half, they were on top for the vast majority of it. And they, they just couldn't put any scoreboard pressure on. No, pretty much. And uh, Richmond are just, they're just so clinical. Like, they just... Once they have an opportunity, they just get into space and they'll make it an opportunity when they're running into open goal. That, yeah. that, that's the and main that's why difference. why they were so accurate. They kicked 18 goals for to 8 goals 17. But Richmond had so many guilt-head opportunities where you're just not missing from where they were. Yeah, it, it wasn't so... There's obviously a bit of the kicking for goal, but it wasn't yeah. so much that. It was the, the way that their teams moved it forward allowed Richmond to just have easy goals, which there you're was, never going to miss. There was one where Daniel Rioli's running into open goal fucks up his bounds, has time to go and pick it up and then continue running into an open goal because he just found that much space. They just worked over Brisbane so well. It was very similar to two weeks ago. Nothing really changed defensively for the Lions. Yeah. They just had no protection out of the back and it was time after time, Richmond's wave running just left them clear on goal. Yeah, they, they didn't change a lot, did they, Brisbane? We had a long chat last week about how they have to do something different. Yeah. I mean, this week they brought even more heat and that's what allowed them to give themselves a real opportunity yeah. to get on top of the game early on. But yeah, the, the issues which they had last time, which was defending the, the surge from Richmond, they didn't stop that. And then they had the same issues with trying to isolate Charlie Cameron yeah. as the key forward, which has worked for most of the year and isn't a bad yeah, coaching there's move. There's been but heaps of talk saying... 
they needed to do something different because Charlie Cameron is not that sort of player. He has been, They yeah. did need to do something different, but he definitely has been able to pull that off. He's been the best small forward in the competition all year playing that way. That has infuriated me, that talk. Yeah, the, but the difference this time is Richmond clearly planned for it heading into the final game of the year, yeah. and it worked because Dylan Grimes is such a good defender. He, he, he's got to be the best defender at just... Shutting down a small forward, doesn't he? He seems to do it perfectly every time. And then you, when you factor in his versatility, he's just an unbelievable. He's pretty player. impressive. He's such an awkward unit in a lot of ways. Yeah. He looks really ugly when he does stuff, but he just gets the job done yeah, every he's time. He's so effective without looking remotely good doing yeah. it. He's the opposite of Lewis Jetta. Yeah, okay. Actually, no. he, he just Lewis Jetta is effective, so that's not quite the opposite. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> um, he's just, yeah, he, he's just. Effective, he just, yeah. he just gets it done, um, and they, yeah, they didn't really do anything about that. I would have loved to. I think late Charlie Cameron started working up the ground yeah. a bit more, pretty much when the game was gone. Like he, he, he had get to him do involved. more. He had to try and get separation through, yeah, just running, and he just he didn't. He waited on his heels too often. The problem Brisbane have is they have no one else who can play the role that they were trying to get Cameron to play. Yeah, I think maybe they should have tried it with Rayner. He's a bit stronger. That's one thing. And I he played tried. well. He did have almost a good game. very well if he kicked straight. <laughs> yeah, and he showed exactly what why he was a number one pick. He yeah. had those bursts of talent. That yep. If he becomes more consistent, he's going to be a fantastic player. But Charlie Cameron just wasn't didn't have the strength advantage to combat Grimes. And Grimes is such a smart defender. He's clear speed advantage was nullified a little bit. So I would have tried something like that. And you might have gotten Rayner on a weaker opponent if Grimes trailed up the ground to follow Cameron. They just they weren't creative enough with what they tried to do going it, forward. It got to the point that when they were trying to move the ball forward, you got a bit frustrated and you started thinking, like, I just want to see Charlie Cameron just hit up on a lead and yeah. just give them that sort Try of option. Try and do a Jaden Stevenson lead. He, he doesn't do it. Yeah. That, that's not the way he plays. That's not a criticism of him. He, he likes the grapple. He likes bringing the ball to yeah. ground and then backs himself to be good enough on and the ground, which he generally he always is. always is, except for against but Grimes. But <laughs> that seemed to just strangle their ball movement. Yeah. But then again, who are you going to have doing it? There were a couple of times when McStay took some nice sort of pack marks kind of hitting up at the yeah. wall. But Hipwood doesn't do that no, either. Hipwood... Hey, I'm nearly out on Hipwood. Mate, Stringer would not be happy with you. Yeah, he bloody loves Hungry Hungry Hipwood. Is he right? <laughs> no. Um, like he, just, he has to show some growth next year. He has to be able to play a more traditional key forward role or they have to have, find someone that can. They, yeah. They are really struggling to combat a really well-organised defence without an effective forward line and without an effective tall forward. They have an effective forward line, but it is all based on smalls and scoring from the midfield. Yeah, that, that's how I was going to rebut it. It was being like, he's got the talent and he's a very good player and in the right role, he could be very, very yeah. good. But in order for him to be able to play that role, you need a key forward, yeah, a proper key forward. I don't think Mick Stay's it. He's, he's, not, he's not quite good enough. Mick Stay is fine as a second and a half like key yeah. forward. Like, he's not quite good enough to be a second key forward. He might be a little overqualified to be a third. So he, he's all right, but they need to find someone who can actually anchor their offense because when Charlie Cameron can't, they go to water. Yeah, well, that would have been the idea is that McStay is he's good. Like, he's not he's not great. He's good, and we hope that he can be a second or third yeah. forward where Hipwood would be the one with the talent they expect yeah. to be the number one. But he but really needs not. to work on his core strength and his just base strength yeah. to be able to yeah anchor that forward line because at the moment he's too easily pushed off the ball. He's got so many of the same flaws as Ben Brown has. It's incredible. Richmond, were, uh, sorry, Brisbane were the highest scoring team 
all year up until the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. Last this week they scored sixty five points, and the week before that they scored fifty five. Richmond, they were just not able to beat Richmond's defensive system, and they yeah. like if there any chance to win the flag this year, they have to figure out a way because I think the flag runs through Richmond. Yeah, they, th- they get that. It, yeah, Charlie Cameron does the grapple trying to play, yeah. and then that 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 does seem to feed into Richmond's defence. And that yeah. they'll just have Floston or whoever so zoning off and coming across and helping that. out, and no issues like that. There needs to be something different going yeah. forward. There, there which, needs to be something dragging defenders to the ball because yeah. if it's just sitting on Cameron's head, everybody can float back without any any risk at all. I suppose if you, Collingwood would be the best chance of doing that, I would say, in terms of how they, they play. Yeah. That they, 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 need a, they need their forward line to be clicking. You'd, you'd Elliot, like to go Stevenson. into be playing. <laughs> yeah, you, ideally. Uh, you, but if Elliot Stevenson and Hoskin Elliot can all play that sort of hit-up clockwork system that they use so effectively at the start of the year, and they'll, be, they'll probably try a little bit of that ball possession that worked really effectively against Richmond early. If that... If they bring that to the table, they're a good chance. But, yeah, for Brisbane, do you think they'll beat GWS? I'll be tipping them to beat yeah. GWS. Yeah, I expect that they will. I'm certainly not ruling out a GWS it's, win with how good they were this week. But, um, yeah, it's obviously not a failed them. season by any measure. No, it never could be. No. But I really do hope for yeah. their sake that they win. I, yeah. they, they I, think a pre- a I think a prelim would just be fantastic for that football club. That's what they've earned. That's, yeah. what, that's what they deserve. So it would be a bit of a letdown. But, it's, yeah, it's, it's always going to be a success this season. Yeah. But anyway, let's move on to Poochie's mailbag. Yes. you've got more thoughts. Just, okay. just for some more Richmond questions from Poochie, I'm guessing. Only two of them. Only two of them. It's still more than on any other team, but yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it is more than <laughs> So, question one. How can Collingwood not have a clash jumper? This is... My favourite storyline out of the weekend. Well, they had a handshake agreement there, Collingwood and Geelong Danger. Nobody from Geelong seemed to know about it. Frank Costa said, "Um, I don't remember it. I don't doubt that we did have the handshake (laughs) agreement, but I certainly don't remember it happening. Just an absolute farce. It's funny, we did point it out at the game. We're like, gee, it is a bit hard to differentiate them. But we were sitting... Literally yeah. back rows. We're thinking, oh, maybe we're just so far away. But a lot of people seem no, to have and issue, I think there were actually, like, Tom Stewart, the player, said there were moments where it was like, oh, wait, that's not, oh, that guy's yeah. not on my team. Well, that that's the indicator, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And I, I swear there's a clip of Joel Selwood handballing the ball, looking directly at a Collingwood player and hitting him on the chest, like, 100% purposely that cannot you can, nobody can tell me that that wasn't because of the clash jumpers but they, look, they do have a clash jumper it's just a slightly fatter Absolutely. white or black so or whatever stupid. it is <laughs> they have got away with one it is there, like, for sure like, this is the, it really annoys me how much some of the big clubs can get away with things yeah. I don't know why Collingwood gets this free run at it I don't understand why Collingwood gets to dictate what Port Adelaide wear either but that's another argument Wait, is, isn't Richmond's just a fatter no, originally they inverse it, remember? Oh, uh, yeah. Which okay. is a massive clash. Like, that is completely flips the nature of that. Yeah, that is a yeah, genuine okay. clash jumper. Yeah, that's quite a handy one to do. Quite yeah. a simple way to get I around it. Yeah, and do something similar, or they have in the past, the like all red yeah, jumper. Yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah, no, they definitely do. So, yeah. like, every, like, in fact, every other big club has it. Why on earth do they not? Yeah. Well, I suppose yeah. There's a, there are stripes, so they're they're already somewhat even. So if you flip them, it doesn't really make any yeah, difference. Yeah, but like but you can still figure out a way to do it. They've had clash jumpers yes. in the past as well, which is what's really annoying. Yeah, like yes. I just 
yeah, terrible governance. Yeah, yeah. Eddie would just chuck a hissy fit. <laughs> and enough, you know, but... I have an aneurysm anytime there's terrible governance. Yep. Ben, uh, next question, I ask you, Ben. Yeah, uh, sure. Go ahead. Uh, was Chris Scott dropping a ruckman against Brody Grundy the dumbest coaching move of all time? Even if it was wet, wouldn't that make a ruckman more important in a congested game? Have a guess what my answer to this is. Yeah, you were quite you were quite against this uh, coaching Absolutely move. Absolutely staggering. <laughs> I knew we were going to answer this earlier, but I left it in because I just want to emphasise how bloody embarrassing it was. Just bad decision making. They Geelong definitely need a ruckman. They just need to address Absolutely. it. Absolutely, that, that's the thing. That's the primary issue. It yes, just, yes, they should have played Stanley, but the primary issue there is they have no idea what to do because they don't have a ruckman. It's been a problem for like eight years since Otten retired. Yes. How, how is it they let the hold them back so well, much? In so fairness, long? they they have tried. They've tried a lot the of different ways. Is they None keep of them trying worked. washed up older semi-established yeah. like Hamish McIntosh, Zach Smith, like all these guys who've had their chance and pretty much proven not to be good enough. That's who they've gone to or been over the hill. They have like the model that works is taking a young ruckman from another club and giving them the opportunity. We've seen that work many times. They haven't yes. tried that once. Yeah, yeah. They, they probably argue that's what yeah. they're doing, but I know what you mean. It is they, they seem to get the older sort yeah. of struggling. And the funny injured. thing is they had Mumford <laughs> and then he yeah. left. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Oh, next one. Did Dusty have the best <sighs> 14 disposal game of all time? Your reaction was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> See the second part of his question. Also, man. how good was his throw? Bloody Poochie. <laughs> It was a blatant throw. I don't know, Poochie. I'd probably have to go back and look at all of the 14 disposal games to see whether it was the best ever. But yeah. I reckon it's likely there's been you know a 14 disposal had, game where someone's kicked you know, 10 or 12. Yeah, you know who probably had 14 disposals when they kicked 10 goals? Ben Brown. Yeah, probably. I reckon... You'd have to be exactly 14 disposals. Yes, all right. I think there have been better games with 14 disposals, Poochie. Yeah. He was very good. I can't deny that. And he's in frighteningly good form. He's probably going to win another Norm Smith. Yep. But no, that's getting a bit carried away, Poochie. And... His throw wasn't good. His throw was a disgrace, to be That's perfectly honest with you. Shocking up. What was the worst umpiring decision? The Grimes flop or uh, missing the throw? I'm more angry about the Grimes flop because he clearly saw that and just fell for it and that's yeah. just weak umpiring yeah where i think the throw was like Genuinely it was so missed. obvious he must have just missed it which yeah. just that's happens. probably true it's a shame but it, it happens i was probably leaning the other way but i think you might have convinced me there banjo do the lions have the biggest bandwagon supporter base sidebar the first fan interviewed in the crowd had been a lions fan since 2001 what a bandwagon state queensland is like it's enemy territory of course they're going to be bandwagons the vast majority of people in queensland are casual fans of the game that's why it's it's mostly a rugby state like what do you expect <laughs> it's not a bad thing for them to get on the bandwagon i don't know why he's insulting brisbane fans here you this is exactly what you want from them you want them to get around the team when it's doing well i just this boggles my mind it, also richmond <laughs> it is pretty funny every time a team comes from nowhere and starts playing good footy we get a question on the mailbag asking is insert team here the have the most bandwagon every club has base? massive amounts of they bandwagon fans. and i'm sure some are a little more than others but everyone has it it's and every more time fun watching football when your team wins just is and when they every time they start playing well it becomes really obvious so look just accept there are bandwagoners around and enjoy uh, like, enjoy their happiness so I guess like, unless it's Richmond the dogs when they won who are a club full of rusted on supporters yeah. had a massive membership spike when they yeah, won the flag absolutely. it's just what happens yes exactly and to be honest I'm sick of people acting like being a bandwagon fan like is a bad thing for the club to have it's great when they get more support just 
Yeah, I'd like them to stick around as well. Oh, ideally, but yes. And like, I will insult friends that are bandwagon fans because they should know better. But as the general population, yes. I just the more people that get around footy, the better for my mind. Yep, enjoy the uh, Brisbane fun is what I would say. Okay, lastly, have the pleb- plebs changed their mind on Kurt's stance <laughs> that Dusty could win a Coleman if he played permanent forward? How long, how long ago did he ask this question? At least originally? 2017. No, I haven't changed my stance no, not on at that. All. I, I think our answer last time was, yeah, he's a really good, dangerous forward when he has that surprise factor and that they're not expecting him to go yeah. forward. He goes forward and patches and does his dusty thing. But if he was starting as a permanent forward every game, people would put time into him. They'd exactly. start, you'd he, have they'd get support, and he's not tall enough yeah, to take a... You'd have people chopping at the mark in front of him. You'd have, yeah, like a Sicily or something floating in front yes. of him. Yes. It just... No, he and wouldn't. he and he'd have the issue in that he doesn't lead up and take yeah. marks and lead, so he doesn't have that string to his bow. He only has the grapple and yeah. when it gets to ground, so he'd and have issues so that Charlie Cameron's it, been it, having. It works so often, but there'd be he'd have more off days if he was there. Also, Ben Brown kicked ten goals from fourteen touches. Six is not super impressive. Kurt, get over it. Get over. Yes, he's, he's, he's pretty excited about Dusty. He is, and he's, like it sucks because they're going to win the flag and we're not going to be able to stop him. So we don't have much to sling back. No, just, <laughs> but come on, piss off. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, do we have a battle situation we or do, do we forget? No, no, we do have one. It's our okay. second last, so I don't know what we're going to be doing on the uh, I think we might be taking a user submission. Because I think we're saving the last one to the grand final. Yeah, so so I'm drunk got, enough to answer it. We've got a couple <laughs> of weeks to fill in some space. But second last one, Banjo, another very boring one. Mm-hmm. Gandalf the White. Remember Gandalf from Lord of the Rings? I do. You know who he is? Yeah, okay. I've seen the movie. <laughs> haven't read the book. You've read the book? Haven't read the book. Oh, you have. No, neither have I. Bit long, I reckon. Gandalf the White, but he's read all of Game of Thrones. True. <laughs> but that was before it had all finished. Gandalf the White, Banjo. <laughs> but he has to use a wand. Yep. Versus Albus Dumbledore. Remember Albus Dumbledore from Harry Potter? Have you read I those books? I have read those books. books I have. You have? Yeah. And seen the movies? I, and oh. seen, I actually watched the movies fairly recently. I haven't read the books in a okay, long Okay, so you might have a better knowledge of uh, Albus. I guarantee you I don't. <laughs> Professor Albus Dumbledore, but he has to use a staff. Neither have formal training in their given magical instruments. Brackets, ranged battle, no melee. This makes so much sense why you didn't ask this earlier. <laughs> this is a stinker. I don't know. Like, I don't know. If you said who wins, Albus Dumbledore or Gandalf the White, just generally, I, I wouldn't know that answer. I reckon Gandalf would win that. You do? Yeah, I, I don't know. I'd probably just like him more. He's just, he just seems a bit more powerful, you know? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I think he's, yeah, he'd have more powerful spells. But I don't know if he'd be able to do that with a wand. But I barely remember any magic being in Lord of the Rings. It was, like, super impressive. Oh, he does a thing where... Like, he Dumbledore goes, like... beams and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, I guess. The, Which the, is the exact same thing Dumbledore the sun, does. And then he breaks a bloody bridge. Oh, that's right. <laughs> but that he that's just taps it. Finds a pressure impressive. point. Yeah, As a now real, I'm thinking uh, about it. Yeah, it's kind of he's more wise than yeah. he's good at battling. I but guess. Like, there's probably stuff in the books where he's super yeah, jacked. Does boss things? Yeah. Like, probably. I don't know. I, yeah, I just think I like I him more. So genuinely I'm probably gonna go don't there. know. Which <laughs> normally I find some backward ass way of justifying it. I just don't have one. Like, uh, I'm gonna go with Albus because he gets a staff, and a staff is bigger. That's, that's my answer. <laughs> but no, but it's a range. Size matters. It's a range battle, so they can't whack each other with it. No, but he's got more juice in the stick. I don't think it works like that at all, Banjo. Well, that's my answer, and you have to take it or leave it. How? No, wait. I've thought of something around it, Banjo. Gandalf dies, and he comes back to life. 
Dumbledore did not come back to life, Banjo. So but does he didn't that make mean Harry that... Potter come back to life? So maybe he could have if he wanted to. I don't think he could, Banjo. I don't, I don't know, know where you're trying to draw that from. I don't know. I think that Gandalf may have some more lives, and that's why I'm going with him. Plus, I like him. But more. isn't it who wins a battle, not who dies? I, oh, I'm assuming it's a battle. I've just been assuming they're all battles to the death. He could be maimed. Just no, incapacitated. No, Dumbledore no. doesn't strike me as a guy that would kill. Maybe Gan- just- Gandalf's just better, all right? I don't disagree with you, but <laughs> I wanted to be a contrarian. But anyway, thanks for listening to the latest Plebs on Footy podcast. We'll see you next week.